Isaiah chapter 43. I want to speak about fear over faith. Fear over faith. And uh, just for a few moments. And uh, absolutely what Tim is saying about, you know, being together. Uh, There is a tremendous power in the corporate gathering. Corporate to worship, corporate to pray, corporate to share. Um, The the, the, old... Jesus come, coming out of the East, in, in the Eastern culture, there's a power in togetherness. There's a power in family. We are now in the family of God. And so on a Sunday morning, when we gather, we gather together as family, family of God. You can be a growing family, um, and uh, we are an accepting family, and an embracing family, and, and new people are joining the family. And that's what it's all about. And so Sunday morning gathering is an opportunity. You can feel down. You know, sometimes we think, oh, I'm not going to go this morning because I don't feel right. Or I don't. That's the best time. That's the best place to be, is to be in the gathering, is to be with others. There is a power together. Jesus said this, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst. And it's the togetherness, together. So, you know, whether it's two or three, 33 or 300 or three, it's the togetherness. It's the being together, not just only being in the building, but hearts. And so when you feel down, you can be lifted. There's been many a time in my life when, you know, um, I, I might not felt in the right place, but when I've come and been part of worship, I felt a bit worse at first, but then I'm lifted. I'm lifted as I see Jesus. I'm lifted by the prayers of others. And, you know, it might not be your faith, but the faith of others around you that will lift you and encourage you. And that's what we are to be, encouragers of one another. Not only is it the power of encouragement, there's a spiritual dynamic, because Jesus says, when there's togetherness, there am I in the midst. And there is this thing of divide and conquer. You take a coal out of the fire, and the coal will soon go dim. When we are in the fire together, you might be dim. No, you're not dim. I don't mean you're dim. I didn't mean it like that, you know. I'm not wanting to look at anyone now, thinking there's a... You know, but, you know, the fires of our hearts can grow because of, we can get snuffed out. You can get disillusioned. And, uh, and, you know, the worship team can say, isn't Jesus great? And you can think, he is, but not for me today. But the thing is, if you're cold, if you feel like that, if your heart feels like that, then get in the fire and begin to burn with the faith that the others will um, rub off on you. Um, you know, we will encourage one another. And the spiritual sense of the dynamic of Jesus' presence it's really uh, understated. It's, it's, it's a forgotten aspect of the kingdom of God. And that's why, um, you know, in Eastern culture, a meal, the, the communion, when Jesus, they sat down, had bread and wine, and they, they had a big meal together. It's a huge thing about being amongst. And this is why Paul says in, in Hebrews, don't forsake, don't stop gathering together as some are in the habit of doing. But all the more, as you see the day of Jesus approaching, get together, encourage, admonish, encourage one another. It's incredible. The early church understood. They saw Jesus, they copied Jesus, they modeled Jesus, and they took this. And so when Tim says it's this opportunity of being together in worship and in prayer, and and when we hear the word of God shared, it's for our mutual inspiration and encouragement, all of us, me, all of us included, so that together we might be released. And as we go as individuals, we take the living presence of Jesus and tell the world that Jesus lives and then we can tell the world that Jesus lives uh, wherever you go, wherever we, I, I am. 
So faith over fear. Let's have a look at this just for a few moments. And um, Isaiah 43, verses 1 to 3. I'm going to read those uh, there. For some of you, maybe very well-known verses. For some of us, maybe something a bit fresh. So we're going to look at the Old Testament uh, this morning. Very often, I, I, I I love the New Testament. We're living in the New Testament era. Jesus is alive. But I also love to look at the Old Testament too. So it says, Isaiah 43, verse 1. But now, this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass, and when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. And when you walk through the fire, you will not be burned The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. The Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt for your ransom, Cush and Sheba in your stead. I am with you. Fear not. One translation says, fear not, for I am with you. Uh, recently, if you've been watching the news, looking at the media, um, the last, I say, but the, particularly the last three or four weeks, the, some of the younger royals of the royal family, some of the younger royals have been in the media, whether it's o- online or BBC or ITV News, speaking about mental well-being, mental health. It's, 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 a, it's, it's been in the news probably the last you know, six, seven months about the NHS and uh, underfunding and the need for funding and mental health to be treated the same as physical health and well-being. And the royal, some of the younger royal family have been hit in the press and just being really down to earth, uh, really open and speaking and coming out um, in, in, in favour and, and promoting, uh, I think a number of the royals were promoting, um, uh, you know, running a marathon in the sense of uh, promoting uh, mental health, uh, uh, well-being and uh, trying to break the stigma of, of uh, if anyone says, you know, I feel depressed or... Um, it, it, so they've been talking about this, but, you know, that's only been in the, maybe the last couple of weeks we've been seeing that. But for the last few years now, I would say about the last five or six years, there's been a lot of research being done about the nation, uh, what's happening globally, and particularly in the UK. It's not top of my reading list, but the Journal of Psychopharmacology, that's a mouthful, isn't it? It's not in my reading list, I assure you. But um, in the 2013, Journal of Psychopharmacology came up with this bit of research, and it was sort of reduced published sort of 2013-2014. So this is what they were saying. And this is clinical research in the UK. 8.2 million cases of anxiety disorder, general anxiety disorder in the UK. Um, 4 million cases of mood disorder, various levels of, of, of uh, depression, etc., etc. 1 million cases of addiction. You're looking at 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, for nearly 14 million different aspects. And that's a good part of it. Over 14 million, the statistics of uh, the area, looking at the area of mental health with fear, anxiety, um, you know, m- mental disorder. 
Um, in 2013, the chief medical officer uh, they did a report and they estimated, uh, it's all about costs today, isn't it, as well? And uh, they were estimating the wider costs with all the cuts that are going on. And they said that the wider cost, the chief medical officer, 2013, estimated the wider cost of the mental health, uh, various mental health issues to the UK economy at something in the region of 70 to 100 billion pounds. Uh, 2013. Um, my response to that would be, what about the cost to personal life, relationships, and the general social aspects of life today? There's a, there must be immense costs there. It's not just in pounds and pence, is it? But 70 to 100 billion, and they said that's very difficult to quantify, but they reckon that's sort of not the tip of the iceberg, but it's probably not done justice. So the aspect of um, fear, worry, Anxiety. There's a triad. There's a number of emotions. But fear, worry, anxiety are aspects of life. And um, they seem to be um, to the fore in the modern age in which we live. Various reasons for that. Not going to go into that. I don't, I don't, I can't say I, I have an answer to that. But put it, put it this way. You know, we experience and are experiencing Aspects, because it's life and we're human and we go through life, different aspects of fear, of worry and anxiety in, in our lives. Now, the Bible has a lot to say about this, Old and New Testament. And, you know, um, the, the, the possibility, the prob- no, not possibility, probability of being a Christian, loving Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit and experiencing you know, um, aspects of acute anxiety, worry, fear, oppression and depression... That, There's there's a strong probability that many of us will experience that, uh, might be experiencing that now, and will experience that from time to time. And uh, in that respect, being a Christian doesn't necessarily make me immune. I'm going to say this, uh, you might not just want to disagree with me, but I would say that being a Christian doesn't necessarily make you immune from aspects of of fear, um, of worry, anxiety, to the point that it really does grip and affect our lives and has an impact on our lives on an ongoing basis. But you know, the Bible, the Old and New Testament has a lot to say, and there's a lot that we can be encouraged by. And so my prayer this morning is that you and I will be encouraged, equipped, inspired, um, filled afresh with something so that we're able to deal with fear through the power of our living faith. And that's where I want to go in the next few moments. You know, there's over 300 verses in the entire Bible. Probably something like, I think someone's actually quantified and counted them. 350, 360 rather, over 360 different verses relating to either fear not or be encouraged or don't be discouraged in the Bible. There's there's almost a, a verse for every day of the week, every day of the year to be encouraged by. You know, um, there's, a, there's a verse for literally every day. God understands. God realizes. God is a father, heavenly father, who's not far and distant removed, but sends his son to be amongst us and with us. And he sends them the Holy Spirit. And Jesus even said to the disciples, you know, don't be panic. Don't be fearful. Don't be afraid. Be at peace. I send, I'll send another comforter, helper, to be with you. You know, you're not going to be left on your own. I understand what it's to break. I understand what it's to have a breaking heart. And I'm going to send the person of the Holy Spirit to be with you. This is the great news that we have. So we're not alone and to face this on our own. And so there's so much in, you know, the scriptures, uh, old and new. And as a Christian, you know, we will face fear 
And Jesus said this in John 16, verses 33. I've spoken on this in the past. Jesus said, you know, you will have trouble in this world, but take heart. Another translation says, be encouraged. Another translation could read, fear, don't fear, fear not. He says, take heart, be encouraged, fear not. I have overcome this world. You know, he said, Jesus said there will be trouble in this world. It's going to come our way at times. But take heart, don't be discouraged, fear not. I have overcome this world. So there's, you know, uh, something that we can lay hold of. You know, um, what, what I was one uh, writer was saying, if we, this, if we can feed our faith, it will help starve any fear. And this is something I just want to look at for a few moments this morning. And uh, this is no quick fix, and I understand that. But uh, if we can feed our living faith, then something happens. Fear becomes starved. And uh, I don't know about you, but with me, it, it, you know, uh, uh, when I'm uh, fearful about things, um, it, it churns away in your mind and in your heart. You don't sleep. It eats away. It seems to get bigger and bigger and bigger. So we need to somehow starve that. It's normal. It's natural. We're going to experience that. And I, I'm saying that. But there's a way of dealing with that. There is a way of overcoming that. Jesus said that, you know, the Holy Spirit will be your helper. So we're going to look at, look at a little bit of that this morning. If we can feed our faith, it will help starve any fear. Put it, it'll check it. So if it's, if we feel that it's out of balance, you know, I, I'm on a, I'm on a, 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 you know, a cycle. I'm going down. It's a merry-go-round. It's keeping me awake. It's, it's really, it's really hurting my life then we need to get that back into balance. People speak of a work-life balance. People speak of an emotional balance. And so sometimes these anxieties and things, they just take us out of sync and it really grips us. So that happens. So how can we then get back into a place where we can walk this? So we have to starve some of that fear and feed uh, our faith to do that. So it's that that I want to just take a couple of moments to look at. You know, and when I'm speaking about faith, I'm speaking about our faith in Jesus Christ. And faith is this, trust. The word faith means to have faith in God means to trust God. To have faith in Jesus means to trust Jesus. You have faith in the seat that you're sitting on. You're trusting it to keep you upright. It's not going to collapse under you. That's called trust. And this is what we're saying. When we trust, we're going to trust God. We're going to, just as you're entrusting your life to the seat that you're sitting on, we're entrusting our lives to God to have faith in him. We're entrusting our lives to Jesus. We're having faith in him. We're entrusting our hearts and lives to the person of the Holy Spirit. We're going to put faith, our faith in him. Why? Because he's a living Jesus. He's a living God. He's a living Holy Spirit. The strength comes from a relationship. Not just good ideas, not just good practice, not just a bit of psychological good, but a living, true, real, identifiable, factual, experiential, spiritual, emotional relationship with Jesus Christ, Father God and the Holy Spirit. And that's amazing. And it's that that it's that. It's not mind over matter. It's not just good thinking. It's not just being positive. We can have faith and be positive in that. But a real living relationship with Jesus Christ. And this is why he said, I've overcome the world. Take courage. You'll have trouble in the world, but I have overcome. And now I'm sending the Holy Spirit, to, who's like me, to be with you and in you. So that we can overcome certain circumstance and life and situation too. It's amazing. 
The Holy Spirit is referred to again and again in the New Testament as our helper, comforter, counsellor. And Jesus said, when I go, I will send another helper. I will send another counsellor. I'll send another comforter to be with you and in you. It's amazing. And that's what we're talking about, this living relationship, faith, trust. So it's trusting the Holy Spirit. It's trusting Jesus. It's trusting Father God. It's walking hand in hand. It's stepping out the building. It's stepping out the boat. It's stepping into the office. It's stepping into the doctor's surgery. It's stepping into life. It's spectacular that we have this faith, trust, living relationship And it's that that we're to feed. It's that that God wants us to feed. If we feed that relationship, then you'll find we will get, still get pangs of anxiety. That's normal. But rather than it be be big and large, it, it begins to shrink and shrivel because it becomes starved and it comes, life comes into balance and we see Jesus and we can see light at the end of the tunnel. So I just want to uh, look at some of these verses together. Um, it, it, in, so chapter 43, verse 1. Just, just if you can turn with me just for a moment or two. There's three, there's three pronouncements and three promises. Three pronouncements. You find in verse 1, uh, Jesus says, Do not fear. For what? He says, Do not fear. Or fear not. And this is what he says in three pronouncements. I've redeemed you. Called you by name. You are mine. Three things there. There are three things there. There are three, God pronounces. I mean, the the context of Isaiah, he's speaking to the Israelite nation in the Old Testament. But the context of today, what was being said there to, to, to Israel, and it was for that time and that moment, but also is being said to our hearts and lives today. That's the spirit of Father God as he reveals himself to Israel. But that same heart and spirit is revealed to us through Jesus. And Jesus has redeemed us. Jesus, the great shepherd, last week we looked at this. He knows you by name. He calls you. And Jesus is your shepherd. You are his. And he is yours. So what we're looking at here can be applied equally to you and I today, okay? And so the three pronouncements, he says, I've redeemed you. To be redeemed means that what was enslaved in the the East at that time, a slave could be bought, their freedom could be bought The ransom price could be paid and the person paying the price could buy that slave's freedom. They redeemed them with a price and they redeemed. It's it's a redemption. You can um, redeem redeem the item that you take to one of these um, chain shops. You know, you can take a, I don't know, whatever it is, a vacuum cleaner or a TV and get some money for it. uh, And then they take it. I thought they called pawnbrokers or something like that. Uh, These exchange places. But you have to redeem, if you want to redeem, get that you need to then pay extra money to, to get that item back. There's this idea of redemption. And Jesus has paid. We were enslaved to sin. We were slaves. You know when you hear somebody say, I just couldn't help myself. I just, I, sometimes the children will say that to you. Couldn't help myself, I did it. Your teenage children will say that to you. I couldn't help myself, I did it. Somebody, you know, you know you'll hear people say with an addiction, I can't help myself. We, there is something in human nature, it's called sin. We're enslaved. This is the amazing picture of grace. And so the redemption is that we've been, you and I have been, the price is Jesus' life and blood that, that, that redeems us, that pays and gives us our freedom. He whom the sun sets free is free indeed. It's incredible. You don't hear so much about redemption and, and salvation and uh, the blood of Jesus sometimes, but it's, it's grace. 
it's incredible love that we have in. So God has paid the price and we are now freed. So we don't have to live like that. We don't have to be mastered by that. We, can now, we are now freed to live for him. And it says, he says, I've called you by name. It's amazing that Jesus, the great shepherd, we looked at this last week, knows you and I by name. You are so personal to him. Your life, everything about you, what's going on at your life right here, right now, today, what you're thinking, what's going on in your heart, what's going on at home, the office and work. He knows and he cares. He knows and he cares. He knows you and I by name. Spectacular. It's spectacular. Only God can do that. Note the universe, the grains of sand, the billions of insects, he knows them all. And every human being, because God named everything and knows everything. It's amazing. And that's how personal he is to you and I. Knows you by name. And then he says, you are mine. These are the pronouncements over your life. The circumstance does not belong you. What's been said over your life hasn't, doesn't have the final say. God says, you're mine. He has the final say over you and I. God has the final say. And so he says, you belong to him. I belong to him. Three pronouncements. And so with those three pronouncements, which are over you and over me, we're freed. We've been bought by Jesus' blood. He knows us. He knows you. He wants to be involved in your life. And you belong to him. We are now in the family of God. How about that? You are sons and we are daughters of God. We're in the family of God. It's a great family to be part of. I know sometimes you might say, you might have days in your family, you think, don't invite my neighbor to see my family today. You don't know what we would do. You know, what, what we were shouting about last night, blah, 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 blah. But, you know, to be in the family of God. And so now he says, you're mine. You're in my family. And it's amazing to be, and that, that's, that's incredible, to be loved, to be nurtured, to be secured, to be looked after by our heavenly father. That's what he's basically saying there. Those three pronouncements. And it's on that foundation that he then makes three promises. Look at this. It's amazing. He does it to a whole nation. And he does it to the universe today in the New Testament. He makes three promises on those pronouncements, which are spectacular. I haven't got time to unpack them. But then there's these three promises. And I want to just spend a few minutes unpacking these. Number one promise. How can we feed our faith? Then I would say, found your life on those three pronouncements. And then live and lay hold of these next three promises And they're in Jesus Christ. All of these promises are in Jesus too. Here we go. Uh, Verse 2, he says this. Promise number one is, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. Sometimes in life, we go through horrendous trial. The waters here is like a raging sea. You you, you know that you're not going to get through. The waters are so deep, you're going to drown. And this is, this is the picture. That he said. And he's saying there, when you pass through those, drowning, you're buffeted, life is beating you up, the doctor has said, the circumstance is this. Sometimes as a Christian, he says, I will be with you. I don't know about you, but as a Christian, there have been times in my life I think, God, where are you? Have I done something wrong? Why has this gone wrong in my life? Why is this happening in my family? Why has a doctor said this? Where's the miraculous? Where are you, God? We'll look at the miraculous in a minute because God is a miraculous God. But there are times, there are times when we will go through the storm. I don't know why. When I see eternity, when I see him face to face, says Paul says, we see through a glass dimly. 
But then face to face. When I see Jesus face to face, we'll understand everything. But at this side of eternity, there are aspects of what goes on that I don't fully understand. I've got a bit of an understanding. I've got a hope and a faith and a trust. But there are moments, and maybe you are going through one of those moments right now where you're thinking, where are you, God? Why is this happening to me? How could that happen? Why, why, why do I hear this miracle and that, and it's not happening to me right now? Why? Because there are moments, and I don't understand why, when we will walk through them. You know, I'm not trying to you know, pass the buck or shrug something off, but it, 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 it does appear in life. We have a miracle, wonderful, working, amazing, loving Father. Said to the, in the Psalms, to the psalmist, David said, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Your rod and the calf, they st- your rod and staff, rod and the calf, your rod and staff, they comfort me. So God walks with us. It's, there's an understanding of God being with us. Jesus is the Emmanuel. At Christmas time, we sing Emmanuel. It means God with us. It means God with us, amongst us. And so this idea of being with isn't just pat you on the back. I've, sometimes people say to me, we're with you in spirit, pastor. I know, I, I understand the sentiment. You know, they're, they're not, not here today or whatever it is. And, and as you go and you get on and do it and you know, we're sort of with you. We all do support. And, and I understand that. To say, but that doesn't mean that. When Jesus says, I'm with you, it's not a pat on the back and I'm with you in spirit, guys. It's actually in your life. Right in the midst of right, rubbing shoulders with you. The word Emmanuel means with, amongst, rubbing shoulders with. That's why Jesus actually came in the flesh. So the Holy Spirit now lives in us, with us, in our lives. And so he wants to rub shoulders with us, walk with us. It's incredible. Incredible. Sharing, that, sharing this revelation amongst untouchables in India was amazing. Of actually walking and touching people that are untouchable. In India, there are certain people that no one touches because they're untouchable. They're, and sharing that Jesus touches your life. And actually then reaching out and touching people that are untouchables was an amazing healing release, which we saw in India some years ago. And Jesus says, I, uh, God says, I will part with you. But Jesus also walks with us. And so there's this understanding You know, if you're going through something that's a trial, that's a challenge, that is difficult at work, you're being buffeted in home and marriage and life, maybe in your certain, you're feeling the fear and the anxiety and the pain, which we all do, then you can pray this if you're walking through it right now. And I can understand that we think, and I often have prayed, where are you, Lord? Be with me. Walk with me. Hold my hand. Lead the way. Pick me up. You know, that's something that I have tried to do on a number of occasions where uh, it doesn't seem to be getting better. So I'm walking with him through the way. And he says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. Emmanuel, God wants to be with you. Second thing that we see, so that's, that's certain circumstance. There are times when we do pass through stuff, but God wants to be with you. We can call out to him, reach out to him. Second thing we see is this. He says this, when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. Literally means you won't be drowned. You won't be drowned. Have you ever felt like you're drowning? Don't have to answer that one to me. But, you know, in work, in life, in marriage, in home, and, and you, you think, what am I, for, you know, it might be over a length of time, and it's as if one thing after another, and it comes upon you, and you just feel like you're going under, and you feel like you're drowning, there is that moment when God says, at those times when life is that, catac- is that cataclysmic, it's that, there's that much coming over you. He says, the waters will not 
drown you. It's a bit of a picture like a canoeist. You see those canoeists when they're, they're, they're doing a slalom and they're coming down and, and the water's going everywhere and they're coming down over rapids and over rocks and they're maneuvering the rocks and they're buffeted and they're thrown upside down and the water comes over them and they go under and then they come back up again and, and then they come through and then they come to a point when there is a calm and they're upright again. And that's the sort of picture that God gives there. There are, there are moments in life when we go through it and we're hurting, and he will walk with us. And then there are moments in life when we feel that we're going under, perhaps. This is another revelation, another promise. They all go together. All three promises go together, they, and they can all happen together at the same time or over a length of time and different experiences. And there'll be this experience where we will feel that we're going under. You'll be buffeted, and you'll be thrown, and you feel that you're drowning. But as we call out to him, he says, this is a promise for you. They will not sweep over you. There are circumstances where it won't sweep over me. And there have been times in my life when I've prayed that prayer. Help me. Get me out the pit, Father. I don't want to drown. This is suffocating me. You know, this is hurting so much. And he says, when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. And we can call out to God, and that might be our experience right now. And that's equally as true as in being with us and we walk through it and we actually go through something challenging. And equally true, then it it will not suffocate us. It will not drown us. We will not go right under and we can call out to him. It's a second promise. Third promise is this. And finally, and with this we'll be closing. Third promise is, it says, when you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. That's miraculous. If, if I were to walk through fire, I wouldn't do it because I'm going to get burnt, you know. But so this is, this is we have a miracle, wonder-working God. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Jesus is the one who died and rose again. The same power that raised Christ from the dead is in you and us and I. You know, this God that we see in the early church, and we've been looking at Acts, Luke and Acts together, that they were raising the dead, healing the sick. This is the divine, wonder-working God, the miraculous God. And this is just as true, just as true as in walking with us, and we go through a challenge and a pain and sickness. Just as true that we feel that we're so buffeted, we're about to drown. He picks us out. Now here he's saying another promise. This is another relevant promise. He says this, when you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. It's miraculous deliverance. It's right to call upon God to heal, save and deliver. It's right to expect and to see and to look with faith and say, God, do it. It may be that we're called, we'll walk through it and he'll be with us. It may be that we're going under and we feel like we're drowning and then he'll pick us up. And on other occasions, it may be that he will come and answer immediately and miraculously by his provision will be healed or the finance will come or the relationship is turned the corner and it's put right. I don't know what it might be for you, but we serve a wonder-working God. And so he gives these promises. Now, the trap sometimes that I fall into is, is that I, I only expect it, and well, that's my desire, is that it's a miracle every day. And it might be that at times, but it's a trap that we sometimes fall into and we can exclude the other promises. We, we only look to the one promise and that one promise, is, which would be my desire, I have to admit, is that I don't get singed. I don't get burnt. Nothing happens to me and I'm okay and I will go through life and nothing. And I pray for the miracles of God. And that's, it's right to pray the miracles of God. But it's not the only way. It's not the only way because there are times when there's 
other promises. That's a promise. It's a beautiful promise. We should lay hold of that promise. We should walk in that promise. But there are times when I will be buffeted and I will be as if I'm drowned and all hell breaks loose and he'll pick me out and won't be suffocated. And there'll be times when I will go through sickness, acute pain, terror and turmoil and he will walk with me through it. I, I, I sometimes say, ouch, I, I'm not so sure about that one. I, 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 but there's those aspects of his promises that are there for us, for you and for me. So as we come to a conclusion this morning, you know, we have, there are three pronouncements. He's redeemed us. He's paid the price to set us free. He knows you by name and calls you to himself. You're, we are his, we're his children, so therefore he loves us that much. Because he loves us and we're his children that much, he then promises that he'll be with us when we walk through challenge and, chain, um, uh, and difficulty, that we will not be drowned or swept away if we feel that we are suffocating or drowning. And he gives us miraculous, divine, healing, life-changing, incredible intervention. Because he's a wonder-working God. He's a dynamic, living God who can do as he wishes and as he likes. So my thing would be this. Feed my faith. If we feed our faith on those promises, lay hold of them for our hearts and lives, then let's practice these promises. Feed our faith and starve any fear. Let's pray together. We're going to respond as we worship and come to a conclusion, a close this morning, but we are going to give an opportunity just to lay hold of some of those things. I, you know, it's, it's not without saying that in a, a group uh, like this this morning that we are going to be experiencing different aspects. Some of us are going to feel like we're being suffocated. Some of us are feeling that right now you are walking through really challenging, buffeting times and you just don't know where to turn. Well, then turn to the Lord Jesus Christ as he walk with you. Some of us feel that we're going under. In actual fact, you probably feel that you're drowning right now. Then call out to him and he will not allow those waters to suffocate you. Some of us need a divine intervention. We're at the end of our tether and God is the living God, the wonder-working God who can reach out to us right now. He makes something out of nothing. He makes something out of nothing. How about that? The New Testament says that he can do more than we can ask or even imagine. That's the miraculous wonder of God. He can do something out of nothing. Many a time I've seen nothing happening and then God does something and everything just happens at the same time. I think, wow, where's that come from? God, you're so amazing. That's the miraculous power of God in our hearts and lives, our great father. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, right now we just come before you. We love you. We honor you. We just worship you. And I just thank you that you have redeemed us, paid the price, and now set us free from being trapped by sin. You call us by name and love us that much. You say, you are mine. You're my daughter. You're my son. You're in my family. Therefore, you say, I will be with you. I will not let the waters sweep over you. I will not let the flames set you and burn you. I pray, Holy Spirit, that those promises said all those several thousand years ago be alive and real right here, right now. We feed our faith, our trust in you, Jesus. We love you. Would you be so real right now? Stand in the midst of our lives, our situations and circumstance as we reach out and put our hands in yours.
Would you just welcome us, put your arms around us, draw us to yourself, carry us, deliver us, walk with us. I pray that you reach out and begin to heal and touch people's bodies right here, right now. Circumstances at work, your miraculous provision right here, right now. Take our hearts and take our lives as we just say we love you. We call out to you. Oh, Jesus, Holy Spirit, in your name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together as we sing together. And as we call upon him, open up our hearts. Welcome whatever promise is right for you. I don't know which one is right for you, but just reach out to him for your heart and life and family and home and right here, right now. And when you go away and for your children and our grandchildren and your heart and your memories and your life and your past and your future and your today. Let's just reach out to him right here, right now. And as we stand, as we worship him, let's ask the Holy Spirit just to touch our hearts and lives. Restore us, renew, heal, save, deliver, move amongst us, through us and in us, we ask. In your mighty name we pray.